how to win, how to defeat the enemy, how to be fruitful. And Father, we thank You that we are here to bear fruits for You. You can turn your Bibles. We're going to be over in Mark chapter 5 and Mark chapter 11 today. I have a few things that were uh, provided by sixth graders during a history test. A lot of this is uh, in the spelling, which I'll try and convey when it's important. Here's the first one. Ancient Egypt was inhabited by mummies, and they all rode in hydraulics. They lived in the Sahara Desert. The climate of the Sahara is such that all the inhabitants had to live elsewhere. Moses led the Hebrew slaves to the Red Sea where they made, and they spelled that by M-A-D equals E, unleavened bread, which is bread made without any ingredients. Moses went up on a mount, on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. He died before he ever reached Canada. Solomon had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. The Greeks were highly sculptured people and without them we wouldn't have history. The Greeks also had myths. A myth is a female moth. Socrates was a famous Greek teacher who went around giving people advice. They killed him. Socrates died from an overdose of wedlock. <laughs> After his death, his career suffered a dramatic decline. In the Olympic Games, Greeks ran races, jumped, hurled biscuits, and threw the java. Joan of Arc was burnt to a stake and was canonized by Bernard Shaw. Queen Elizabeth was the virgin queen. As a queen, she was a success. When she exposed herself before her troops, they all shouted, Hurrah! <laughs> it was an age of great invention and discovery. Gutenberg invented removable type and the Bible. Another important invention was the circulation of, of blood. Sir Walter Raleigh is a historic figure because he invented cigarettes and started smoking. Sir Francis Drake circumcised the world with a 100-foot clipper. <laughs> the greatest writer of the Renaissance was William Shakespeare. He was born in the year 1564, supposedly on his birthday. <laughs> he never made much money and is famous only because of his plays. He wrote tragedies, comedies, and hysterectomies, all in Islamic pantomime. Rome, Romeo and Juliet are an example of the heroic couple. <laughs> Writing at the same time as Shakespeare was Miguel Cervantes. He wrote Don Quixote. The next great author was John Milton. Milton wrote Paradise Lost. Then his wife died and he wrote Paradise Regained. <laughs> Delegates from the original 13 states formed the Contented Congress. Thomas Jefferson, a virgin, and Benjamin Franklin were two singers of the Declaration of Independence. Franklin discovered electricity by rubbing two cats backward and declared, a horse divided against itself cannot stand. Franklin died in 1790 and is still dead. Johann Bach wrote a great many musical compositions and had a large number of children. In between, he practiced on an old spinster which he kept up in his attic. 
Bach died from 1750. Bach died from 1750 to the present. Bach was his, was the most famous composer in the world, and so was Handel. Handel was half German, half Italian, and half English. He was very large. <laughs> Beethoven wrote music even though he was deaf. He was so deaf he wrote loud music. He took long walks in the forest even when everyone was calling for him. Beethoven expired in 1827 and later died for this. <clears throat> One more. The 19th century was a time of great many thoughts and inventions. People stopped reproducing by hand and started reproducing by machine. The invention of the steamboat caused a network of rivers to spring up. Cyrus McCormick invented the McCormick wrapper, which did the work of a hundred of men. Louis Pasteur discovered a cure for rabbits. Charles Darwin was a naturalist who wrote the organ of the species. Madman Curry discovered the radio, and Karl Marx became one of the Marx brothers. Now, you can tell, since you know you all are history buffs, you can tell when things just aren't quite right in that, can't you? You can tell when people didn't quite get things going right. And it just doesn't, I mean, it just has a thing that's not, that's not right, that's not flying here. And sometimes in the area of faith, when we talk about faith and speaking to things, some people have gone off and didn't quite get it all right and went out and tried to act like it was so anyway. And the results weren't all that good. People came up with stuff that you say, huh? And so, of course, people come out from there and they, they just put all kinds of names on it. I heard one person called it the, the name it, frame it, and claim it group. Um, I forget some of the other ones they put on there. But, you know, regardless of that, even though, you know, little kids in sixth grade get history wrong, it doesn't make history irrelevant. And faith is important for us to know. Over the last uh, number of a uh, couple of years, we've spent time on other topics, and every once in a while we need to come back and spend some time on this to get things right, because sometimes we're like some of those sixth graders who are spouting off history as if it's true. And actually, we've gotten a lot of things wrong. And we want to make sure. Just to review, look at some of the needed ingredients in Mark chapter 11. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So in this area, we're mostly focusing right now on the area of speaking, speaking to things. We don't speak to people, we speak to things. The ingredients here is first off, have faith in God. That's what he starts off with. That's an ingredient we have, we must have. Have faith in God, or as the margin says, have the faith of God. Brother Hagin would always chime in and say after that, have the God kind of faith. Have God's faith. Have faith in God. Speak to the thing a specific course of action. Every example we have in the Word of God, and certainly in this one, what is spoken is a direct course of action. You may say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. That's a direct course of action. You have an object that you are speaking to and you have a course of action that you expect that thing to take. 
that is what we need to have. We can't just speak, well, do something with that. No, you need to come up with what is it that needs to be done. And if you don't know yet, then you need to get with God. You need to get into His Word. You need to find out what the plan is. Because we've got to speak specifics. Be removed and be cast into the sea. He didn't say be removed and be cast into the lake or be removed and just go somewhere. He said this is who you are and this is where you're going to go. Because whatever reason, he doesn't really give the reason for it, but just go out there and be cast into the sea. Speak to a thing, a specific course of action. And here's the one we're going to focus on mostly today. Do not doubt in your heart. Do not doubt in your heart. That is the most important thing. Do not doubt in your heart. That's the the thing we're going to be focused on today. We want to spend some more time on this to really get this part down and understand. If we're going to get it right, we've got to have all the ingredients right, right? If you're going to bake a cake and it calls for baking powder, you don't use baking soda. It won't quite work the same way. Do not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you say will come to pass. Not might, not I hope so, not maybe, but they will come to pass. You will have whatever you said. Now, who taught this? Jesus taught it. He taught it to who? His disciples. You think it was important? Jesus doesn't take time to teach irrelevant things. It's important for us to understand. We saw that Jesus spoke to a lot of things. He didn't speak to a mountain tell it to be cast into the sea, but He spoke to a storm. He spoke to a tree. There's a lot of things He spoke to. So we've got to get that example. But here in the first thing, as we, we look at this, titled this one, When in Doubt. We're going to look into when we are in doubt. How do I know when I'm in doubt? Isn't that a good thing to know? How do, how do I know I'm in doubt? I mean, I think I'm believing, but how can I tell? Now, if there's no real way for us to tell if we're in doubt, then why would Jesus say, do not doubt in your heart? If I can't tell if I'm doing it, then why would he tell me not to do it? I can't tell. How, I, how do I know if I am doing it or not doing it? I don't know. So there has to be a way that we can tell. There must be something that we can do some, some kind of evidence that's left behind that, that something happened. How many of y'all know when your kids were little and you said, you know, don't eat the brownies? Then you as a mom, you know, you could come back into where the brownies are and you know two of them are missing. Sometimes, you know, the kids when they first start off, they aren't very good at cleaning up and so there's brownie crumbs. Sometimes, you know, after you catch them a few times with the brownie crumbs, they'd be real careful. Well, let's make sure we get up all the crumbs. And But, you know, you just have that eye. You can just tell. You didn't necessarily count the brownies when you put them in there, but you can tell there's some missing. It's not quite right. There's, there's evidence. There's some crumbs that are left behind. There is something that is here to tell us when we are in doubt. And that's what we want to focus on in this. Doubt. In your head. Again, Brother Hagin used to tell us that it is possible to believe something in your heart and then doubt something in your head 
and still have it come to pass. And we use the example of the man who said, Lord, I believe. Help now my, my unbelief. Well, the Word of God says that if you doubt, you won't receive anything from God. So apparently that man was okay because he received something from God. So how is it that we can doubt in our head? He said, do not doubt in your heart. He was clear about that, wasn't he? Do not doubt in your heart. So what's the difference between doubting in my heart and doubting in my head? Or any other kind of doubt? What, how can I distinguish when a doubt is in my heart? There has to be a way. Otherwise, why does he tell us, don't doubt in your heart? He just says, don't doubt. There must be a way for me to tell. We're going to go through the Word of God and take a look at that today. Well, first off, our thoughts of doubt wrong. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. How does the devil tempt people? How are you tempted? Do not temptations start with a thought? Is it not that a temptation comes and a thought enters into your head and you begin to ponder that a thought comes? You know, well, you could do this when Adam and Eve were in the garden. Isn't it? I mean, he, he used words, but weren't those words there to plant a thought? They when he wanted them to be thinking, has God really said this? You will not surely die. He's trying to get them to think on things in a contrary way. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Was the devil successful? No. Jesus didn't give in to temptation. He didn't do anything. So there's a difference between being tempted and sinning. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the I'm sorry, Hebrews 2, verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He was tempted how? In all points like we were. Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So, being tempted... Having thoughts come to you in the area of sin is not the same thing as sinning. If thoughts that come into my head about sin that I don't act on do not cause me to sin, do not bring me into a place of sin, then why do thoughts of doubt bring us into a place of defeat? Can you see that? If Jesus never sinned, but was tempted in all points like we were, then thoughts had to come to him. The devil had to sow thoughts into him to, uh, to try and get him to move. But he didn't go. He didn't go after it. Well, Jesus was tempted in all points, but he didn't give in. He didn't, he didn't fail. So it's with thoughts. Satan works. He, he tempts us with thoughts. It's it's, it's, with, it's the same way now. He tempts us with thoughts. He tempts Jesus with thoughts. He tempts others with thoughts. It's thoughts. As we said, we're not Adam and Eve tempted with a thought. The thought is not the problem. The thought is not the problem. It's the meditation and action that can result. It's the thought comes in, then I begin to meditate on that, that thing. 
I began to ponder that. Adam and Eve had the problem, not the thought that came in, but they began to ponder it. Has God, has God really said that? Huh. Well, we should be as gods. Why? We kind of need to be as gods. Knowing both good and evil. Not sure what that is, but kind of like to have some of them. Of that, if I don't have it now, I'm sure I want it. The thought is not the problem, but the meditation and action that can result. It's the meditation and the action that come. That's what brings us into the area of sin, isn't it? We meditate on it. We ponder that thing. Now, Jesus even said, you know, about, he was teaching about murder. And he said, I tell you this, if you, if you think on it in your heart, what's that mean? Not that the thought comes in, but that, oh, yeah, I'd like to take that one out. I mean, they're just in my way. And we begin to meditate on that and ponder on that and, and, and develop things of, uh, that's, that's wrong. He says, that's sin right there. Don't meditate on it. The thought may come in, but just reject it. Right off the bat, reject it. Right off the bat. Don't, don't, no, 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 I'm not, I don't want to murder no one. I don't have that kind of stuff in me. No, no, I, re- I refuse that. I'm not meditating on that. Uh-uh. And it won't lead to action. Meditation and action, that's, that's the problem. Now, according to James, James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, we covered this before. We're just going to review this again. But James equates doubt with being double-minded. What does it mean to be double-minded? Well, just think back to the, to the uh, 007 movies. In the 007 movies, he was always running into double agents. What is a double agent? An agent who works on both sides. I, I'm pretending to be on this side, but I'm actually on this side. And so in a lot of these spy movies, you see somebody immediately begin to think, are they, are they genuine? Are they really? I, I'll bet that one's not on his side. How many of you have been doing You've done that. You watch some of the spy movies and you see this. I don't, I don't trust that one. I don't think that they're genuine. You think they are a double agent. They're on both sides. Now, now really, they're only on one side, aren't they? But they are pretending to be on another side. Word of God says you can only serve one master, right? A double agent is really working for one side, but is pretending to work for the other side to get information or to undermine things for the side that it's actually working for. That's a double agent. Double-minded. You get into that place where you are, you you are putting out a a, a front. I look like I believe. I look like I have faith. I'm presenting myself as an agent of faith, but actually I'm an agent of doubt. How do I know that that's it? He says, a double-minded person is wavering, like the waves, like the waves in the sea. You, you, you vacillate. You waver between one opinion and another. You're over here, you're over there. But see, an agent of God, when God says, this is what you'll do, this is what my will is, simply says, okay, okay. And they stay on that side. And no matter what the opposition, no matter who comes against them, no matter what thought comes against them, what do they always do? This is the side I'm on. I'm on this side. 
I am this one. You know, 007, no matter who is playing 007, no one intimidated 007. He never pretended to be on the other side because, you know, no one can kill him. He, you know, they try. You know, they, all, they know it's always the elaborate trap. You know, they put him in a room and it's filling up with water and they all leave. I don't know, a guy who has escaped death thousands of times. You got to think, let's, let's wait here until it's done. They never do. And he always finds a way out, you know, and there's always some way that, that comes up. And he just goes about life just in such a way that no matter who's playing him, he always goes about life like, I'm going to get out of this. It's no problem. We're going to get there. Now, there's the, there's the other side of this, too. There's, uh, uh, there's uh, Get Smart. What day? 86. Agent 86. Now, he would get into all kinds of situations and believe that he could get out of them because it seemed like he was too stupid to realize how bad it actually was. <laughs> but he still seemed to be oblivious to all the problems and all the things that were going on. But that's not how we work. When we get into a wavering situation... I, I got into service. Let's just take an example. We got into service and the Spirit of God worked in such a way. A word came out or, or someone called me up or a faith rose up inside me and we did the things that God said to do and I believed I was healed. And I went off from there and went on there for, the, for a week. Oh, glory to God, I'm healed. Oh, glory to God, I'm healed. And then all of a sudden, a new report comes in and we wake up in the morning and the thing that we believe was healed suddenly flared up. And the thought comes in. Did you really get healed? Did you really receive anything from the Lord? Or was it just a little respite? Was it just taking a break? And that thought comes in and here's, here's the big moment. We begin to think, hmm, I wonder, did I really get healed? I mean, if I really got healed, I would think that it wouldn't be, be coming back. That's right. If you really got healed, it wouldn't be coming back. And it begins to, to, we have this discourse. What's it trying to do? Pull me over to the other side, right? And what am I doing then? I'm, I begin to waver. And so then I go back into the Word and I get, a, oh, no, no, no. This, the, the, the Word's short. And then later on that day, I begin to step back over near your doubt. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, it hurts an awful lot. I'm not so sure. We're waving. We're going back and forth. Now, if you get into that kind of a situation where you're, well, I believe that God's going to come through. Well, I'm not so sure. I mean, it, maybe it's just not God's will to come through on this. No, 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 no. It's God's will. God wants, well, I'm not, I'm not so sure. Maybe, maybe I miss God. Maybe God didn't really want to heal me. Maybe it's something I needed to carry on through. No, 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 no. I believe God. That, uh, that no, I believe that I'm healed. I believe that I receive. I believe that it's mine. And then somebody else comes over and says, oh, I know somebody who had that and God taught them all kinds of lessons as they sat in the hospital as they were getting ready to die. And they got real close to the Lord. Oh, well, maybe I... Maybe God does want me to... Maybe it's not God's will that... What are we doing? We're wavering. We're going back and forth and back and forth. You know, if you're not used to being on the ship and you get onto, a, onto one, what generally happens to most people? Why? Because you're going back and forth and back and forth. Now, you get you know, somebody in the Navy, somebody who's been on a ship on a, for a long time, they get their sea legs and they get used to it. And that doesn't even feel like they're going back and forth, but for the rest of us, we get on out there and 
back and forth, and oh man, it's just a, <laughs> we don't like that so much. We're not quite, quite used to that. God does not want us to be wavering. doesn't want us to be moved about with the waves of the sea. He wants us to stand firm. And so when those thoughts come to us, the thought is not wrong. The thought is no more you doubting in your heart than a temptation that comes to your head is sin. We believe Jesus was perfect, right? Without sin. And yet He was tempted in all points like we were. The thought is not the problem. The problem is when I meditate and then produce an action based on it. Adam and Eve, it was not a problem that the serpent came in and said, has God really said? The problem came in, they began to think about it and they had an action as a result of it. We looked at Saul. The problem was not that the Philistines were gathered together, that that Samuel was delayed and that the people started to leave. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that he meditated on all these things and then produced an action. And Samuel came right after the action when he sacrificed and said, what have you thought? No, done. What have you done? When he came back after killing all the all the ones he was supposed to go out there and kill. Wiping them all out. And he was commissioned to wipe everything out. Get rid of it all. And Saul came on back to Samuel and said, I've done what the Lord said to do. And then Samuel said, then what is this bleeding of sheep that I hear? He began, well, we just brought some of this good stuff back for you know, sacrifice to God. Samuel, of course, said the famous line, God doesn't delight in sacrifice. He delights in obedience. He wants us to obey. The thought that what you're believing for is not going to come is not wrong. It's not a problem. The problem is that you begin to meditate on it and think, oh, well, maybe it won't work. Maybe, uh, maybe that's not for me. Maybe God's not going to take care of this need. Huh. Doubting is wavering, according to James. Doubting is being double-minded. Double-minded. We're not supposed to be double-minded. If we are double-minded, what will we receive? Nothing. Nothing. Isn't that the problem that most of us have? Is that we've received? Nothing. Nothing. What do we want to receive? What we believe for. What God said. What we're receiving? Nothing. Which probably means that somehow we, we got into this wavering area. Right? Yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. I'm sorry. We'll get into that uh, new version of the Word of God. Contemporary living version. Shall not doubt, except if you've had really extreme circumstances and really tough, tough life. Except if you face a life-threatening illness. illness. But there's no exceptions for that in the Bible that we generally use, isn't it? We try and insert them. So what is it to doubt in your heart? We understand what it is to doubt in our head. Now, what is it to doubt in our heart? In Mark chapter 5, we put this question in there. When do doubts in your head become doubts in your heart? When do doubts in your head become doubts in your heart? We're going to go back over to Mark chapter 5. We have covered this before. We're going to cover it again. 
looking at something else. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by a boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hand on her, that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged to him. Now a certain woman with a flow of blood for twelve years had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, I, we've skipped over her the last time we looked at this, but we included her this time because I want you to see her pattern. Look at the woman's pattern. We just went over Mark chapter 11 again. We saw the pattern. The pattern was, speak to, first of all, have faith in God. And then, Speak to the thing, a direct course of action. And do not doubt in your heart. But believe that what you say will come to pass. You shall have whatever you say. Now look what she says. Let's go 27. When she heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus. What did that do? Produce faith. She had faith in God. She came behind in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Is that not speaking to the mountain? Is that not a direct course of action? Is that not be removed and be cast into the sea? If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. The Word of God does not say that she thought it. It said she... She said... Now, put yourself in this woman's shoes. She has been going through this for a long time. She's gone to many physicians. How many times do you think she came home to her family, whether she's married or not, probably is married, but even if she's not married, came home to her family, she would come home to her sisters, come home to the mom and dad, come home to the brothers, come home to the cousins, whoever it is, they, they come on back. And how did the doctor appointment go today? Because she went to a lot of doctors. And when you have a family member who goes to a doctor and they come back, what do you usually say? How'd it go? What'd they say? And so she came back from the doctor. And how many of you know that there are some doctors came out out there and said, you know what? I think I can help. Because it said that she gave them all her money. Why would you give money to someone unless they say, I think I can help. I think I got something for you. Got some snake oil in the back. Let me go back there and get it. Whatever it was, whether, you know, maybe they truly believed that they thought they could help. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they're just trying to take her money. We don't know. It was not important. But you all know she went to a lot of doctors. She came home from those doctors and, and told her family how to go today. Well, he thinks he can help. And the family, after hearing time after time, after time, and seeing her spend money after money after money. How many of y'all know the family had a breaking point before she did where they probably said, why are you trusting this doctor? Haven't you lost enough money? Haven't you believed that everyone else who said that they could help? How, why should you trust this one? How will this one be any different? Can you not hear that this is going on? Wouldn't it go on with you? 
And so when she heard about Jesus, people in the village began to talk. People were just touched. They just came up and they touched his karma. We, we, we went back to the Word of God and we saw the stories that she probably heard. How people came up in the, in the crowd and just touched him and they got healed. And she thought, hmm, I got an idea. And she said, well, if she said, don't you think that some of the sisters and the brothers and the moms and dads and the uncles and the aunts and the cousins heard her? If I just, if I just touch his, the hem of his garment. And that's, of course, where the, the, the real power was, they believed, because of the priest garments and all that sort of stuff. That's why that was mostly focused on. If I just touch the hem of his garment, oh, I know it. I, I'll be healed. I know it. She said it. Well, she, get, she has to go on, on this trip. She has to go find Jesus. She hears Jesus going, where are you going? I'm going to Jesus. Because I, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made well. Are you following after another one of those snake doctors? Are you going after another? How many of y'all know she had to hear all this stuff? And people came and people tried to put these thoughts in her. But what did she do? I'm not listening to you. I'm going. You can come with me if you want to. But I'm going. Don't you try and stop. I'm going. I am going to Jesus. Because I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. You've been believing all these years that this and this and that's going to help you. How do you think this is? I know. I, you said that before. I know. Don't you think she had a battle this? But she still came on up, didn't she? Something happened. All the defeats, all the failures in the past. How many of you have got defeats and failures in an area that you really want to see victory in? And those defeats and failures are knocking at your door. They're putting thoughts into your head. People come by and they remind you of your defeats and failures in the past. And they put thoughts in your head. you got lots of these thoughts in your head coming on by. Lots of things hitting you. Lots of things coming against you. But she said what? I know. I know. I know. I know. If I, if I just do this thing, there's something i got to do. But if I go out there and I do it, I know it. Were there other ways for her to be healed? There were, weren't there? She could just say to Jesus, Jesus, I need hands laid on me. I mean, Jairus did it. Could she not have done it? But that's not where she was at, was it? She had other thoughts coming in. Uh, I got this issue of blood. I can't go up to a teacher. I can't go up to a rabbi. Because of this issue of blood. That's the law. That's what's going on. I, I can't do that. So she talks herself out of that. Maybe he'll lay hands. No, he can't lay hands on me. He's a rabbi. I'm unclean because of this issue of blood. He can't do that. So how am I going to do it? Because he won't. There's no rabbi in the world that would come near me. I know. Sneak attack. I mean, no one has to know. So I just come up in the, in the crowd, if I just touch the hem of his garment, like these other people did, I'll get healed like they did. It'll be fine. And she probably even got excited when she came up and she saw Jesus. So all the people that are around, she may not have gotten discouraged and think, oh man, how am I going to get through? She thought, they're not going to recognize, they're not even going to notice that I'm there. This is great. And if she, if she'd be like me, you know, I would have had a plan and I would have gone in front of Jesus. And then just walk slowly. 
and let the crowd kind of encompass you until you know you work your way back and pretty soon you're near Jesus. We don't want to be in front of Jesus. We don't want to be even with you. We want to be just slightly behind. So as Jesus kind of gets to the side, then we begin to get into position and I get into a place where no one can see. Maybe I just stumble. Now drop, drop my pen. I need that pen. We're going to go take some notes. Got to have my pen. So you go down there and pick it up and just touch the hem of the garment. I haven't really touched Jesus. I haven't made him unclean or anything. I just touched the hem of the garment. And woo, I felt that one. Woo, I felt that. Oh, yeah, I got here. And then all of a sudden, she's all in this. Oh, I got, I got here. I felt something in my body change. Oh, I've never felt a change like that before. I felt something in my body change. Oh, this is good. And then Jesus stops. Who touched me? Or maybe somebody hit him. Because I didn't really touch him. I just I did him. It's the him. I didn't touch him. I was it's him. Just got the him. He's not looking for me. Surely he's not looking for me. If only I may touch his clothes. Because to touch him would make him unclean. She didn't want to do that. I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around the crowd and said, Who touched my... Oh, my clothes? I thought I could get away with it just touching his clothes. But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you? I mean, thronging you, they're pushing, they're, they're up like this, they're pushing up against. That's not just touching the clothes, that's touching you. <laughs> you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, now, you know, we've got into this before, just go over it again one more time. The reason that the disciples did this at the first, you know, he said, who touched my clothes? Everybody's looking around. And you know, you, you kind of expected to go on, but Jesus didn't. He kept saying, who touched my, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? Who touched them? Someone, who touched my clothes? And after a while, the disciples are getting a little uncomfortable and they begin to say, you know what, Jesus, we need to move on from this. We need to... It's, it's enough. All kinds of people around here. Everybody's touching you. Don't worry about it. Come on, let's go. Let's get focused here. We're healing. Over here. Let's go. No, who touched... Who touched my clothes? Someone touched my clothes. Healing power went out. Someone touched my clothes. And finally, when the woman said, oh, I'm not going to get away with this, Jesus, He knows. He knows. I was meditating on these next couple of verses and maybe you might enjoy this. And he looked around to see her who had done the thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him what? Now, you got on, you can read by this and just miss this. But I want you to understand, who was healed? The what? Is there a difference between asking a man, how was your day? And asking a woman, how was your day? Is there a difference? If you come up to a man and say, how was your day? Fine. Good. Okay. Not bad. Right? If you come up to a woman and you say, how was your day? What happens? Well, it started off, you know, and, then, <laughs> and isn't that right? 
I'm not, I'm not picking on you for that anymore than I'm picking on us for, for, you know, okay, good. But a woman is generally going to give you a lot more detail of what went on. Because you can say, how was your day? And a half hour later, we're through 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. Right? This is why you ladies like to get together because, you know, finally someone who expresses themselves. This is why sometimes men like to get together too because sometimes they just like to say, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Now, we're both working on both sides, you know, and we we men have to get into more detail and and, and, and we try to do that. But anyway, he he said the what? It it didn't just say the truth, did it? The The whole truth. What's the whole truth? Well, it started about 18 years ago. And this condition began to come up and I went over to Dr. So-and-so and and he thought that it was this and well, that didn't turn out to be it. And so then when that didn't work out, I went over to this doctor over here and well, uh, we tried this and we, we went after this. We we did treatments for about six months on that one and we just didn't get anywhere. And then we went over to Dr. So-and-so and that one cost me $10,000 to go to Dr. So-and-so. But I thought, you know, it's been a while and I need to give this a shot and find out what's going on. So we went over to Dr. So-and-so and it was a whole year and we were doing this and I had to take these large pills. Oh, they were awful. And then take it, wash it down with this stuff that it tasted like, it tasted like arsenic. But it, they, he said it wasn't, but it tasted like it. I would never put it in my, my muffins or anything, but it was off, oh, it was terrible. And, and we did that for a year, nothing, nothing at all. And it just kept on going on and, and you know, stuff, my, my husband wasn't too happy with him. I, my family wasn't too happy with it and I had to be as, I couldn't go into the synagogue. And then I found Dr. So-and-so, cause you know, he's advertised in the, in the, in the local paper. He took an ad, and I saw that, and I thought, this might just help. And so I went on over to Dr. So-and-so, and he explained to me the whole process, cause it was a long process that he had, and I had to go for a couple of tests, I had to go out of town for a little while, stay over at the place, the place over in Bethlehem. You know what that is? <laughs> What's she doing? She's telling him the, the whole truth. The whole truth. And Jesus is listening. Jesus doesn't stop her. She's he's listening. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right. And oh, okay. He's listening the whole time. The whole truth. And Jarius is over here thinking because he didn't just say he came and told her the truth, did he? He said the the whole truth. The whole truth. Now, you pick on your husbands for being, you know, not real wordy. She told him the whole truth and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I just told you the whole truth. That's all you got for me? That's it? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Did you see her pattern though? Did she not hold to the pattern of Mark chapter 11? She did. She did. Probably did even better than some men would have done because she's out there telling everybody, I know, I, I know it, I, I know. If I just go and lay hands, you know why? Because I heard the story. So-and-so was just telling me the other day that Jesus was in the town and all these people came. She told him the whole story that too. This is why. She told him the whole reason why she had faith in God. She told him the whole reason why she believed this thing. Apparently, she could tell the whole truth. The whole truth. She told people. After all this, she telling the whole truth. Jesus saying what he had to say. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, 
Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, up to this point, how is Jairus? Is Jairus in faith or is Jairus in doubt? He's in faith, right? Because if you're in, if you are a doubter, if you doubt in your heart, what does James say about us? See, nothing from the, nothing. Is Jairus in a position to receive something from the Lord? Yes, Jesus is coming to his house. <laughs> He's going to get something. Jesus is coming to his house. You don't get Jesus to come to your house because you're a doubter. Right? You gotta be a believer. You gotta have faith. He's got faith. But the words come. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Can you as a father of a dying daughter hear these words and not think something? Is it possible to have no thoughts, no meditations? When you hear that, are you not going to think something? Are you not going to, oh, she's dead. Oh, my little girl died. In all the discourse that Jesus has with Jairus, does he seem concerned about what he is thinking? What is he concerned about? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. So he interrupts. He stops him from what? No, stops him from what? No. Speaking. Does he not stop him from speaking? Does, does he not interrupt? If you are Jairus, you just got the word. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? And this lady just told the whole truth. The whole truth. Would you not vent a little bit of anger? Would you not speak a little bit of doubt? And, and, and vent it at her? And vent it at Jesus? If you only hadn't been spending all time finding out this story, would that be faith? No, it would be doubt. And so Jesus stops it. What does Jesus seem the most concerned with is the... Speaking the words, the words. He doesn't even seem to deal with the fact that he's thinking some heavy thoughts. He stops them from speaking anything. Does he still go with Jairus? Is Jairus a doubter or a believer at this point? Because you don't get anything from Jesus if you're a doubter. You get there by faith. So Jarius has not crossed the line to doubt in his heart. You think his faith is at the same, same spot? His faith before was, my daughter is sick to the point of dying. But if you come and lay hands on her, she won't die. She'll be well. That's his faith. That's where he believes. But now all of a sudden the whole thing changed. The whole thing just changed. He's not believing for Jesus to come and raise a dead girl. He's not believing that. He's believing that Jesus would come and help a sick girl raise her up. That's what he believed. And out of his mouth, can you, can you formulate in your own self, put yourself in Jerry's shoes? What would you begin to think? What would you begin to say? What kind of actions would you begin to have? Would you get angry? Would you speak words of frustration? 
in defeat, to vent the anger that you have. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, not to the people who brought the news, not to the crowd, not to the disciples. He's speaking to Jairus. Do not be afraid. Only believe. What's he telling them not to do? Don't be afraid. Don't have an action different from what you had before. Stay with me. Don't change. Keep going. Do not be afraid. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside. Why did he put them outside? Get, 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 get them out of there. See, their, their words are useless. But get away from me and get away from him. I don't need you putting these thoughts in Jarius or his wife's head. I need you. I don't care what words you say. You can say anything you want to anywhere else. You're not saying it here. And when he put them outside, how many of y'all think that they all went home? No, they sat around there and said, can you believe this guy? He thinks that she's, I can't wait till he comes on out and she's still dead. We're going to see that. She, they're saying all this kind of stuff. He's not afraid of that. He's not concerned about that. He doesn't even try and deal with them. Don't worry about the people around you that are speaking doubt and unbelief. Worry about what you're speaking. Or be concerned about what you're speaking. I'm not worrying. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, which was Peter, James, and John, and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Little girl, I say to you, Arise. Can you not hear the same outline? Mountain, be cast into the sea. Little girl, I say to you, arise. I didn't think he could speak to people. He's not speaking to her will. He's speaking to her body. Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Does that, does that sound like they were believing? <laughs> they were great amazement. Wow! Did you see that? Oh, man! Mm. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given to her to eat. So what was Jesus most concerned with? The thoughts in his head or the words from his mouth? The words from his mouth. Most concerned. What should we be most concerned with? The thoughts in our head? The words in our mouth. The words in our mouth. That's where we have to have our most concern. That's where we have to focus. What is my mouth saying? What do I say with my mouth? How many times do we believe in God and then outside of our mouth we say, well, I'm not so sure if that's going to happen. Well, I would like to have that. Yep, yeah, I would like that to be done. Well, I'm not so sure. Don't we say that? What are we doing? We have allowed a thought to produce a meditation that thereby produced an action which was words out of our mouth and doubt has gone from our head to our... 
If you want to know if doubt is in your heart, listen to your words. Your words will tell you where your doubt is. If the words go around in your, in your head, you say, nope, nope, I'm not, I'm not saying, no, no, no. Has that doubt got into your heart? Absolutely not. Yeah, but I've been thinking thoughts of, don't care. What did you say? Didn't say anything yet. Good. Keep it up. Don't say it. Don't even say it in your head. The thoughts can be there. What happens if this? Well, what happens there? Don't even say it in your head. Don't even say, well, I guess I'm going to die. Don't even say that in your head. No, I'm not going to die. No, I am not going to. No, I am not going to. No. No. No, that's mine. No, I am not going down. No, God is providing. God is providing. Not, well, I sure hope you, well, we sure need Him to provide. Oh, we know we're in a bad situation. We're in a bad way. Oh, we need God to provide. Oh, if God doesn't provide, oh, I don't know what we're going to, is, are, is that faith? That is heart doubt. And here's the outline. If you say that it's mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in your heart, but believes that those things that you say will come to pass. You will have the thing that you're saying. That's Bible. That's Scripture. And we see it exemplified. When Jesus said, little girl, I say to you, arise. Oh man, I hope it happens. Oh, did you see that? I think, she, I think she moved. I think that was... When He says to... to the, the tomb. Lazarus, come forth. Is that not mountain be cast into the sea? Is that not a speaking to a thing, a direct course of action? Lazarus, come forth. Does he believe that it's going to happen? Do people around him think that? <laughs> no. But he does. Lazarus, come forth. Whatever what I'm saying is going to happen. How do you get to the place where you know that what you're saying will come to pass. Starts off at the beginning. Have faith in God. You're going to believe something, folks. Have faith in God. Build your faith up. Get yourself ready. Get yourself going. What does it say? We talked last week about diet plans and, and uh, fruits and vegetables and vitamins and all that other sort of stuff. The people who believe this is going to work have fed their faith on things. And out of their mouth, you don't hear any doubt and unbelief. Nope, no, nope, no. Nope. If I take that, I'm going to live to 90. I know it. If I keep taking this stuff, I'm going to live to 90. Mm. Do not doubt in your heart. Refuse it. Do not let it. How do you know? Meditations and actions. I'm meditating. I'm thinking on it. You know what? I could just go. I could just. This could be just it for me. I can. Don't have those. Don't, don't be going out there speaking stuff. Nope. Don't, don't be saying that. Well, I guess I'm going to be losing another big client. I'm really dependent on them too. That looks like they're going. Well, I guess I'm not going to get that job. Well, I guess that check isn't going to come. Mm-mm. And you know, when bad stuff begins to happen, bad stuff over at work, bad stuff goes through here, and we, we, we can get discouraged, can't we? Say, oh man, but, but this. But don't speak words of doubt. There are always going to be all kinds of inputs that will tell you whatever it is that you're believing for, whether it be finances, healing, situations, whatever thing you are speaking to, there's going to be lots of stuff that comes your way to try and tell you something different. It is not wrong that those things come your way. 
It is not wrong that your thoughts sometimes are, are, are filled with things that, you think that's really going to work? I don't think that's going to happen to you. I don't embrace them. I don't make them mine. Well, I guess I'm not going to get that thing. Well, I guess that's not going to happen. Listen to your words. Your words will give you away. If you have doubt in your heart, if you have doubt in your heart, you will go into that job interview and you will come out and say, well, I just don't know. If God wants me to have it, I guess I'll get it. If God doesn't want me to have it, I guess I won't. Now, I'm not reading anybody's mail in here. This is the stuff that everybody does. (laughs) Nothing new has been invented. This is where we go. This is what we do. This is how we think. Don't. Yeah, but other people want that job too and other people need that job. Do you need that job? Do you need that job? Well, I'm, I don't know. I'm getting... Will you stop it? What are you looking for a job for if you don't need one? Go before God. Father God, I need a job. I thank you for providing that job. I thank you when I'm in that job, I will know this is the place. I will know it. But in the meantime, I thank you that you provide me with a job to hold me over until I find that job that is my job. Because you want me working. You said in your word you want me working. Yeah, but there's a whole lot of other people out there in the world. You know what God is most concerned about? His kids. Well, there's a whole lot of other believers and there might be other believers going out there. You know which kids He cares about the most? Or not He cares about the most. You know which one He shows up for the most? The ones in faith. The ones in faith. Jesus even used that as an example. Do you remember Him using that as an example? Jesus got out there and said, there was a lot of widows during Elijah's day in Israel. But God didn't send Elijah to one of the widows in Israel. He went and sent Elijah to one of the widows in another country. You know why? He found faith there. Let God find faith with you. Father God, I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's mine. Thank you, God, for the favor. Father God, I'm going in here and I have favor in this job interview. I can speak words that will matter matter to the interviewer. I don't know what words matter, but you know. So you'll just have them come up in my spirit. And out of my spirit will come words and I'll say things. And I'll have that, uh, uh, that interviewer's attention because of the words that I'm using. If I'm trying to get new clients, I'll have the words that will speak to them. I'll have the words that will speak to them. You'll know what to say. You'll know how to do it. God will rise up on the inside of you. And you'll begin to say things and speak things and... And, and stuff will come out and you say, where did that come from? And you'll let your passions come on out and people will say, wow, they're passionate about this. Oh, I think I want to trust this person. With, I, I think I want to give them my business because look at how passionate they are about that. You know, my wife and I, we've gone on bunk bed deliveries to places and one of the things I hear from folks is, says, yeah, when we talked to you, uh, we couldn't believe how passionate you were about bunk beds. It's like you really cared that our kids were on something safe. And we didn't, we didn't hear that with anyone else. You really cared. You wanted them on something safe. You wanted them on something good. And we just didn't hear that. I've actually heard that from people. You know why? Because we just let the Spirit of God rise up on the inside of us. Speak things. Say things. My wife will talk to other people about their kids and help out. And they'll get the idea, she really cares about my kids. They're not even her kids and she cares about them because the passion comes up. Let the passion of God come up on the inside of you. 
go into that interview and say, Father God, I thank you. You give me words to speak. I thank you, Father, that you helped me with this. I thank you that people will see the wisdom that comes from you to me to help me in this endeavor. Glory to God. He'll help you with it. Things always start where you can't see. Things always start, folks, where you cannot see. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, where did it start to die? In the roots. When it starts in the roots, it then works its way up to the base of the tree. And then it works from the base of the tree up to the stem, the, the stem of the trunk of the tree. And it goes from the stem out to the branches. And then what is the last thing to be affected? The leaves. When the disciples came, they saw the, the leaves. Too often, folks, we're looking for the leaves to change in our situation. We're not accepting the fact that the root has been affected. Because we don't see anything, we begin to ponder the doubts that have been sowed in us by other people, by past failures and defeats. And this becomes a problem for us when we give them voice. Because we get, don't we give them voice? Come on, I've given things voice, you've given things voice. We, we have those doubts, they come up. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, Jesus, she's dead. Don't give it voice. And if you get around people, they keep... How many of you have people around you that want you to speak doubt about your situation? Believers who want you to speak doubt about your situation. They feel comfortable when you finally speak doubt about your situation. You make them very uncomfortable when you keep speaking faith. And they want you to speak doubt. And so they keep trying to pull it out of you. Do you really think that? Do you really think... Come on. Do you think... Really? Sometimes you ought not to be hanging out with those people as much. They want you to give voice to your doubt. You ought to get up to them. And with, Jesus dealt with, with uh, Peter that way, right? Get thee behind me, Satan. You don't speak the, the, according to the will of God. It's not your goal. It's not your objective. In John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who see the tree with the leaves and believe the roots have been affected. Yeah, but the tree looks fine. The roots are dead. Yeah, but the, the tree's fine. Look at it. It's healthy. It's looking good. The roots are dead. How can you tell? You can't see that. <laughs> see, they're trying to get you into the seeing part. Stop it. You've got to get out of that. You've got to get out of this wavering mentality. Now, we're not done on this part of the, the topic here yet. We were, I've been meditating on some things on, on this. And there are situations, and I, I had God take me through the word on this, and I'm, still med I'm not ready to, to, to bring it out. I almost was thinking I was going to bring some of this out here today, but it's, it's not ready yet. I'm going to have to meditate on it for a little bit longer. But there are situations in the Word of God where this will not work. Next week's sermon, I already have the title. It's called Overrides. There are certain things that take place that override this principle. And we're going to look at those. They're in the Word of God. We're going to see the examples of it in the Word of God. That the override has been engaged in the principle 
did this principle, that we're speaking about here, did not work. When you find out what will disengage it, it will help you keep it engaged. Because you realize, I didn't do that. That's not going on. That's right. So you didn't disengage it. Overrides. It's not till next week. We're going to look at a couple of stories that we have not looked at in a while as examples. We've looked at in this series so far. We've, we've uh, gone over some that we, uh, are very familiar to us. We're going to go over a couple that are, are not as common for us to look at. But we're going to see what it, what it is. So that'll be in the, in the next week thing. But do you understand doubt in your head and doubt in your heart? There's a difference. There's a noticeable difference. And it's really easy to tell. Thank God he always does stuff on the easy side. It doesn't make everything some kind of arbitrary thing that, well, you never can tell if you're doubting in your head or doubting in your heart. Yes, you can. So in your situation that you're believing for, are your doubts in your head or are your doubts in your heart? It's really easy to tell. Meditations and voice. We'll get over the meditation part. We get focus more on the voice part here today. But we'll get more into the meditation part. Father God, we thank you for your word. You can all stand up with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your word. Your word is so good. Your word is so helpful. We thank you for the examples in your word that have shown us how we can be victorious. That Jesus taught us a principle that was used over and over and over and over. But he waited until the last week of his ministry to teach the principle in a way that so cleared us. Oh, but we're so grateful for it. But now we can go back and we can see all the times that this was used. All the times people spoke to a mountain to be cast into the sea. A flow of blood to be gone. A girl to raise up, be raised up. So many things, Father, changed because people spoke them. So, Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. To have the ingredients we need to have the faith in God. To speak to the mountain. A direct course of action. To not doubt in our heart. But believe that those things that we say will come to pass. Then we will have the thing that we say. Father, we thank you for it. We give you the glory and the honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.